We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 386 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, August 26th, 2022, and we are pre-gaming. We we are pre-gaming for a preseason game. Why not? Pre-gaming for the Commanders preseason finale. Commanders at the Baltimore Ravens, Saturday night at 7. Fourth consecutive year in which we've had an NFL preseason that Washington is concluding its preseason with a game against the Ravens. Uh, We did not have an NFL preseason in 2020 due to COVID, but 2018, 2019, 2021, and now 2022, Each of those preseasons for Washington ended slash is ending with a game against the Ravens. Uh, Is Rod Rivera actually going to play commander starters at the Ravens on Saturday night, Uh, even for just a very limited period of time? Very limited. Yes, Ron, very limited. Well, Ron, during a post-practice press conference on Thursday morning, again was asked about starters playing at the Ravens on Saturday night. You will hear his answer in a bit. I'm also going to get into a variety of other things that Ron said during his post-practice press conference on Thursday morning, including essentially saying that Antonio Gibson is the commander's number one kickoff returner. Uh, that certainly stood out. Uh, and Ron updating how Carson Wentz is doing with Terry McLaurin. And Ron talking Sam Howell. And Ron discussing two offensive linemen who Washington took with fourth round picks in NFL drafts in recent years. Uh, we on Thursday morning had a lot of good stuff from Ron Rivera. Speaking of good stuff, uh, I have a special guest for you. Next segment. NFL analyst Samuel Gold. Gold, Jerry. Gold, I tell you. Samuel Gold, the creator of Sam's Film Room on YouTube. The guy has 97,000 plus subscribers to his YouTube channel. And he, on his YouTube channel, has put together a high-level film breakdown of the commander's third down defense in the 24-14 preseason loss at the Kansas City Chiefs last Saturday. If you want to understand what exactly went wrong for the commander's third down defense and why what is going wrong is going wrong. 
Trust me, you do not want to miss Samuel Gold. Uh, We also will discuss some big picture stuff with the Commander's defense, and we'll talk Carson Wentz and Brian Robinson Jr. Know this about Samuel Gold. He is a Commander's fan. Uh, This is someone who knows X's and does really well and who is a fan of the team. And then later in the show, I will postgame what happened with the Orioles on Thursday night. What a win for the O's. What a win for the Birds on Thursday night. A 4-3, 11-inning win over the Chicago White Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Kyle Stowers, game-tying, two-out, solo homer to center field on an 0-2 pitch from White Sox closer Liam Hendricks in the bottom of the ninth inning to tie the game at three. The homer was Stowers' first career Major League regular season home run, and the homer came moments after White Sox left fielder Adam Engel dropped a routine fly ball in left field foul territory. Engel catching that ball would have ended the game. Engel did not catch that ball. Moments later, Kyle Stowers game-tying two-out solo homer on an 0-2 pitch, and then later, Anthony Santander walk-off RBI single on an 0-2 pitch in the bottom of the 11th. There was so much to this game. I could do a whole show just on this game. Instead, though, I will give you a really good segment on the game. Because remember, while this is a Washington, D.C. sports podcast, this also is a podcast that acknowledges that there remain many Orioles fans in the D.C. area. A lot of people don't like to admit that. Uh, This podcast doesn't just admit that. This podcast embraces that. This podcast welcomes that with open arms. Uh, The next installment of this podcast uh, will, in fact, be for Monday. I will not be doing a Commander's postgame show installment of the podcast for Sunday of the Commander's preseason finale at the Ravens on Saturday night. Uh, There most likely will not be a lot to talk about regarding the actual game. Now, I say most likely, you never know what might happen, but the conversation coming out of the game most likely will be about what needs to happen by this Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, the cutdown to 53, the formation of the commander's initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season. I will be talking about that on Monday's and Tuesday's shows and then reacting to the actual cutdown on Wednesday's show as we are getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL regular season. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jerry Moore on the Nationals, writes Jerry. What a season it has been for both the Nats and O's. Starting to wonder if the Nats can win even 50. What do you think? Uh, Well, the Nats are a major league worst 42 and 83. Uh, In order to get to 50 wins, the Nats need to go at least 8 and 29 over the remaining 37 regular season games. Boy, you would like to think that the Nats can go at least 8 and 29 the rest of the way, especially considering that the Nats rotation now has both Cade Cavalli and Josiah Gray and may soon have another encouraging young starter in Mackenzie Gore. But if we have learned anything about the 2022 Nats, it is uh, not to overestimate what they will do. Uh, this team overall has been really bad. Things always can get worse, so I can't dismiss them not even going 8-29 and the rest of the season, but I do think that the Nats will at least get eight more wins the rest of the season. 
Uh, email from Robin of our scheduled fun on Thursday's show, episode 385, with the post-practice press conference of Andrew Norwell on Wednesday afternoon. What was the greatest press conference in the history of press conferences, writes Robin. Just wanted to thank you for the good laugh with Norwell's press conference. Maybe that's why he was away from practice for a few days. Maybe he was preparing and rehearsing those great answers, LOL. But I'm pretty sure his blocking is way better than his press conference skills. But in some way, there's some sort of genius in his answers. Quote, he comes to work every day. End quote. Awesome. Quote, next question, end quote, brutal. Have a nice day. Go Durs. Thank you for the email, Robin. Uh, Yeah, look, from Andrew Norwell's perspective, there was nothing wrong with his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. He expended little energy, okay? He spent little of his time, and he in no way said anything controversial or inflammatory. Hey, it's hard to say anything controversial or inflammatory when you say nothing. Right, Andrew? Um, next question. Yes, Andrew. Thank you. Next question. Uh, now, in that email that I just read from Robin, he referred to the commanders as the Durs. Email from Jack L. The one-syllable nickname for the Redskins was Skins. Could the one-syllable nickname for the commanders be Durs? Congratulations on your big win. Very well deserved. Also, thank you for the good work you do, as I do not have to follow sports as much as I used to, because you do. Uh, Yes, thank you, Jack L. That is one of the mantras of this podcast. I follow sports so that you don't have to. And yes, thank you. The big win. Uh, Not just my big win. Our big win, me winning the first ever DC Sports Fan Bracket Challenge for local media people. That was a collective win for all of us members of the uh, revolution. That is the Al Galdi podcast. So, Durs, you know, we for months now on this podcast have been trying to figure out a one-syllable nickname for commanders. Uh, There are people using Durs (laughs) for commanders. And yes, Durs is a one-syllable nickname uh, that comes from the end of the full team nickname, a la Skins with Redskins. My only problem with Durs is that it sounds like you're mocking the name of the team, right? Durs. Like, that sounds like something that a kid would say when mocking another kid for not being very smart. You know, durs, <laughs> okay? But maybe that's just a me thing, or maybe I'm just in the minority on that. Well, if the state of your lawn is worthy of being mocked, is worthy of being referred to as a durs lawn, uh, let Weedman fix your lawn. Uh, Weedman cares for your lawn so that you don't have to. Uh, Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great, fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, and a variety of other services. If you do not have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman take care of your lawn and take advantage of a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price in aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. Uh, That's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. A beautiful spring lawn starts in the fall, so take advantage of this special offer and put Weedman to work for you. Weedman is a national network of locally owned franchises, so you'll receive the personal service 
that you deserve. Uh, Weedman answers your phone calls and emails promptly. Weedman does what it says that it's going to do. And all of that sounds simple, I know, and all of that is simple, but all of that isn't nearly as common as it should be. Uh, also, Weedman uses superior products that really improve your soil. Uh, Weedman's products are of the highest quality. Uh, Weedman does not cut corners, and Weedman only treats what needs to be treated. If you're not satisfied with your lawn, if you're not satisfied with who is treating your lawn, get with Weedman and take advantage of this special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price, an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. Again, about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. That phone number again, 571-340-3400. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so that you get the special deal. Uh, you could also Google Weedman and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Weedman, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, Do not forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you are really feeling generous, I mean, you are really feeling nice, uh, please write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. And as is always the case, the ratings and the reviews are very much appreciated. So it is normally not good and not healthy to make too big of a deal out of anything that happens with an NFL team in its preseason. But what has happened with the commander's third down defense over two games in this 2022 preseason is a bit different. Uh, It is hard to remember the last time that something in a Washington preseason was as scrutinized and valued as the commander's woeful third down defense so far this preseason. Uh, The commanders in their 23-21 preseason opening loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field on August 13th, allowed the Panthers to go 11 of 18 on third downs, including 3 of 4 on starting quarterback Baker Mayfield's lone drive in the game. The Commanders, in their 24-14 preseason loss at the Kansas City Chiefs last Saturday, allowed the Chiefs to go 5 of 5 on third downs during starting quarterback Patrick Mahomes' two drives in the game, uh, each of which resulted in a touchdown pass. And one of those touchdown passes came on a third down. Uh, Mahomes' early second quarter, third and goal, 70-yard shotgun touchdown pass to tight end Jody Fortson on a broken play as Mahomes completed the pass off scrambling to his left. And of course, the backdrop to all of this is Washington having finished the 2021 regular season number 31 out of 32 NFL teams in lowest opponents' third down efficiency at 48.5%. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, NFL analyst Samuel Gold. He is the creator of Sam's Film Room on YouTube. He has 97,000 plus subscribers to his YouTube channel. And he on his YouTube channel has put together an excellent film breakdown of the commander's third down defense in the preseason loss at the Chiefs. Uh, In-depth looks at each of those five third down conversions for the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes in the game. And understand, Samuel Gold isn't just an NFL analyst. He also is a Commanders fan. Uh, You can follow Samuel on Twitter at Samuel R. Gold. Hey, Samuel, how are you? Thanks for having me back on. 
I appreciate you coming back on. So it's obvious that you put in a lot of time and work in studying these five third down plays. Did you, in studying these plays, find anything that you weren't expecting to find? Or were your findings pretty much what you expected? Uh, Really good question. I think for me, it came down to the hope that I would find something different. Uh, After watching the defense a lot last year, I basically saw a lot of the same issues this year, which is, I think that's probably the most, I'm not going to say surprising thing, but it was definitely the most disconcerting thing. Um, For example, you see a lot of individual player mistakes. You see a lot of play calls that were, I'm going to say suspect. I, I just didn't really fully get them. And generally, I just felt like the defense wasn't ready even on their basic, on basic concepts that they just got beat left and right, especially on those third downs. I think that we all get that the commander's defense's third down struggles are a result of multiple factors, uh, the pass rush, the secondary, coaching. Uh, That said, is one of those factors, in your opinion, a bigger factor than the other two factors? Uh, I think I'm at this point where I think the buck stops. uh, I think it stops, stops with the coaching. And so I'm, I'm, I'm more at this point that if you have veteran players making kind of stupid mistakes, in my opinion, and the Cole Holcomb play really comes to mind where that wasn't even a third down. I think that was like a first or second down. And you have a basic flood concept, which is a three level read on the, on one of the sides of the field. And when you're in cover four and it could have been cover six either, but he has the same role. You have to push towards that linebacker level and he just doesn't. He just kind of drifts backwards, and Travis Kelsey is left wide open for an easy game. And those simple issues are the difference between a well-coached defense and a poorly coached defense, in my opinion. It tells me that there's a possibility that there's there's communication issues still, which I think they talked about last year as well. And it just tells me that people just aren't ready. And and yes, maybe it's just the preseason, but. If you see the same issues last year throughout the entire year and the same issues now, I think that's kind of telling. Yeah, the communication thing is so aggravating because we for weeks have heard about the communication in the commander secondary being better. And maybe the communication is better, but it hasn't translated into better third down defense. That's for sure. Uh, why do you think that communication still is an issue for a secondary that includes a number of talented players and a number of veteran players. Yeah, uh, it's it's a really good question, and, and as I've, I'm obviously not in the meetings or, or around the coaches. I I think you have to get down to the point where, uh, as an outsider, I see this as more of a as an overall view of saying certain players just aren't picking up concepts. Maybe how it's coached is just not getting through to everyone. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, what London Fletcher said was that he said that a lot what a lot of the issues he saw uh, were just basic preseason issues that they'll get ironed out. And I don't, I don't know if you saw that, but I didn't view it that way. But obviously, maybe he knows more than I do because he, you know, he played in the NFL for a number of years. Right. I mean, look, I would love to dismiss the commander's defense's third down struggles this preseason as just a preseason thing. But given how bad Washington's defense was on third downs last season, and given how bad Washington defenses have been on third downs for years, uh, with the exceptions of a few seasons, I do not think that the commander's defense deserves a benefit of the doubt. 
Yeah. And I, and the crazy part is that, um, I had this conversation with some people yesterday where they, they claimed, all right, 2020, we were pretty good on third down. We were seventh, but if you look to the years before and the years after, it just hasn't, it's, I think that was more of the aberration than anything. Like in 2018, we were 27th In 2019, we're 32nd. And obviously that's before Jack Del Rio. So you can't, you can't obviously blame him for that. And in 2020, you had your really good year where they all, where it seemed to all come together. Then in last year, it fell apart and they were 31st. So it's, it's hard, it's hard to say that we should give them the benefit of the doubt when the rest of the defense and even on the other downs that I talked about still had the same issues. And with that 2020 Washington defense, yes, it was good, but it also benefited big time from playing a very lackluster group of opposing quarterbacks. Uh, I want to get your takes on some specific third down plays for the commander's defense in the preseason loss at the Chiefs. You in your film breakdown said that by far the most frustrating third down give up by the commanders at the Chiefs was the Patrick Mahomes third and 10, 39 yard shotgun completion to receiver Justin Watson. Uh, why was that play so frustrating? Man, that play was so aggravating. I was so furious watching that. Um, it's third and 10, and I believe it was from Washington's 47-yard line. What's the worst-case scenario on a third and 10 from the 47-yard line? You allow them to get the first down. That's the worst-case scenario. The best-case scenario, you give them five yards. Who cares about five yards? You put everything in front of you. you. You make a good form tackle. You play something like a base cover three or cover four. Keep everything in front of you. And you know what? They're on the 42-yard line. They're not kicking a field goal. And, and, and maybe either they punt or maybe they go for it. But who cares? They're still in a very risk situation. The worst-case scenario is blitzing all hell and then allowing a receiver to beat you deep because you aren't playing conservatively enough. And – that is one of the plays that it's really hard for me to fully tell what the play call was. I speculated in the video it could have been covered too, uh, but it, pro- it it might not have been. It could have been, but based on how Cameron Curl covered that route from the middle of the defense where he was pretending to blitz to sprinting and finding Justin Watson and covering him, it's hard for me to actually tell what the play call was. But regardless of that, it was still a bad play call because there's just no reason to be that aggressive on a third and 10 from your own 47. It just doesn't make sense from a scheme standpoint. It doesn't make sense from a situation standpoint. And yes, it's preseason, but what exactly are you practicing when you do that? You mentioned Cameron Curl. Uh, We all love Cam Curl, but he sure seemed to have a tough game in that preseason loss at the Chiefs. Uh, Is that what you saw? Yeah, um, he, he he had a pretty bad game in coverage. Uh, the the running back that that leaked out into the flat and I think it was the second third down that was extremely frustrating it was a, I believe that was a cover three call he's responsible for the for that flat curl position and and yes you're you're watching the quarterback because you're worried about Patrick Mahomes escaping but your first responsibility is the flat and when a running back hits the flat and you completely forget about him that's on you and then on top of that his angle he missed the tackle. So it wasn't, it wasn't only that was that it wasn't only that he missed the play It's that it's that the follow-up wasn't great either. If he made a good form tackle with the proper angle, there's also a decent chance they could have went to a fourth down too. The Chiefs fifth and final third down conversion against the commanders in going five of five on third downs with Patrick Mahomes in the game was his second quarter third and goal seven yard shotgun touchdown pass 
to Jody Fortson on a broken play that included Casey Tuhill rushing upfield and past Mahomes, giving Mahomes a wide open space to his left with which to scramble. Uh, Rod Rivera has harped on guys not being disciplined enough in their rushes. What do you make of this rush discipline issue that's still apparently plaguing Washington's defense? This was an issue last season, and this was an issue in the preseason loss at the Chiefs. Yeah, I think I think it's a very important problem, especially if if you're going to be looking at this defense and saying, okay, who are our premier players? Where do we have all the talent and all the money? And that's on the defensive line. If they can't be consistently good, not even great, but if they can't be consistently good in terms of how they contain the quarterback, how disciplined they are, uh, winning a respectable amount of their pressures and converting those into sacks, what are you paying them for? Like, what is the reason why you have these these star players and this amount of capital invested in this defensive line? And and maybe it's possible that with Chase Young being injured and him coming back, that this wouldn't have happened, that maybe he would have converted on maybe one of those pressures or done something else. But at a certain point, you can't just rely on one player. It's the entire collective effort. And I'm with you. I, I, I think I think that effort was was poor. And it's it's frustrating because like if you're Cameron Curl and you're guarding this this receiver that is coming across, you can't really do it any better uh, just because he just got outbodied at the point of the catch. And Mahomes was able to kind of do this escape the pocket, throw a perfect pass into the corner type throw. You just can't beat that. So I don't I don't blame the I don't blame the defensive back. I blame the defensive line at that point. I do have a positive for the commander's defense in the preseason loss. At the Chiefs, I want to ask you about Kendall Fuller. Uh, He has taken some criticism for his performance in that game, but you liked Kendall's game at the Chiefs, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how he he um, he took any criticism from that game. He had two pass breakups, and he also uh, guarded one deep where um, where Mahomes was trying to lay it over top of him, and I think it was a was a fade route or something like that. Uh, Fuller played exceptionally well. Uh, His 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 plant and drive from off man or from zone uh it was perfect like i i don't understand any criticism for kendall fuller he was in my opinion he was the best defender on the field against the chiefs by far and it was it was no there was no defender near him much more in moments with nfl analyst and commanders fan samuel gold on the commanders defense well it would be lovely if washington's defense on third downs this coming season it was as good as washington's defense on third downs in the 2020 season. Washington for the 2020 regular season was number six in the NFL in lowest opponents' third down efficiency. Uh, Also for Washington in the 2020 season, was Ron Rivera battling skin cancer? Uh, He is doing well. Great that that is the case. But did you know that skin cancer is among the most common of all cancers in the United States? Uh, The good news is that skin cancer also is among the most curable forms of cancer. Get checked, get screened, and someone who very much can help you with that is Dr. George Verghese. He and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings. Yes, free. Call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big Commanders fan. He's a loyal listener of this podcast, and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. 
The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. And yes, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings and offer state-of-the-art treatments for skin cancer. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are the DMV's number one outlet for Mohs skin cancer surgery and for superficial radiation therapy, or SRT, which is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. You won't find better, more state-of-the-art, or more comprehensive skin treatment and services than what you can get from Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Early detection and treatment of skin cancer save lives. If you have questions or concerns about your skin, call Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you tell the Institute that Al Galdi sent you. That's 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. Uh, More now with NFL analyst and Commanders fan Samuel Gold on the commander's defense. Uh, So I do believe that the talent on this defense is such to where the defense should be good. Uh, Is that correct? Or am I perhaps overvaluing the talent on the commander's defense? Yeah, uh, maybe maybe that's on us for for having like these these lofty expectations. But we're we're not the only ones, though. If you look across the NFL, and and this dates back to preseason rankings of last year, we were seen as a top five defense where people expected us not only to be good, but to be an elite level talent that potentially that defense could have propelled us further into the playoffs or, or gotten us a few extra wins. But the moment they fell apart, the rest of the team fell apart too. And maybe that's on us for those high expectations. But at a certain point, when you spend so much on Landon Collins, when you spend so much in terms of draft capital on your on your defensive line instead of taking a a Derwin James instead of a Deron Payne or something like that. Uh, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think it is. I, th- I think the defense is sufficiently underperforming based on that level of talent. Um, however, the linebacker level is something that uh, I think still does need to be addressed, even though that I feel like we have to give Jamin Davis like the benefit of doubt just because he's so inexperienced. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Jamin Davis. Uh, what has jumped out at you in watching him over two games this preseason? Uh to me, it comes down to he's just a little bit hit or miss. Um, against the Panthers, uh, he wasn't the best. Um, I felt like his coverage was just it, – it, it wasn't perfect. But against the Chiefs, he actually wasn't bad. Uh, I felt like like on, on that example we talked about where Cole Holcomb didn't carry that, that flood concept and, and he allowed that catch, Jamin Davis played that perfectly. He's responsible for walling off Kelsey, which he did perfectly. Then as soon as that running back breaks the flat – He's responsible for that flat player, and he hit that he hit that exactly as he should. That's really good coverage, and that's exactly how you have to teach it. Um, so it's it's hard for me to blame him um, for for the game against uh, the Chiefs. And overall, I, I think in, in terms of comparing his performance in that game to his performance last season, I think we saw an improved player. You just hit on something that I've talked about on the podcast: the extent to which Washington has invested 
in the defensive line in terms of draft capital. Uh, The team spent a first-round pick on a defensive lineman in each of four consecutive NFL drafts, 2017 through 2020. Uh, Now, each pick made sense to at least some degree at the time, and it's not like the players taken with these picks are bad players, but given that Washington has had a good overall defense only once in recent seasons, 2020, is it in fact true that Washington, in hindsight, overinvested in the defensive line. Yeah, I think, like, for example, I, I loved the Montez Sweat pick. Uh, I, I loved how we trade, it was a, we traded up, what, a second round pick, yeah. two seconds to get up there and take him. I love that pick. He was, Montez Sweat was a top 10 player to me in that draft, and we got him in the 20s. I was very happy about that one. Chase Young, he was the number two overall guy, and to me, he deserved to be number one. So to me, that was a good pick. I don't mind that pick. Jonathan Allen fell to them in the draft, and I love that pick as well. He was a top five player to me. And in terms from a talent perspective, I thought that was an amazing pick. So that's that's three guys where immediately I can <clears throat> I can say those were good picks. I supported A plus, move on. Deron Payne is the only guy of that group. <clears throat> and this isn't an anti-Deron comment. It's more of a what could they have done with that pick instead? And to me, Derwin James is that obvious example. He went, what, two picks later or to the Chargers? He's been a great player, and he was the player that year where I was like, why is he falling out of the top 10? I would have easily taken him there. So if we grabbed him at 15 or 16 or wherever we got pain, he instantly would have shored up our defense. We wouldn't have to pay Landon Collins a ton of money, and we could have spent that extra capital you know, grabbing a veteran defensive line just to pair with Jonathan Allen as a po- and spending a lot less as opposed to investing that capital in the draft. Yeah, Derwin James was a first-team All-Pro as a rookie. He, for his 2018 rookie season, was a first-team All-Pro. I've had this conversation with some of the guys from Pro Football Focus. I'm curious about your opinion. Pass rush versus pass coverage. Uh, Which matters more in today's NFL? Yeah, uh, really good question. Um, It's hard. I'll say it this way. I think the pass rush is more stable in terms of metrics. If you look at it in terms of like a year over year pressures and pressure rates and how they do, while something like a sack percentage and getting sacks is not stable at all. Like sacks are extremely fluky, but pressures are very indicative of how good a player really is as a pass rusher. The same cannot be said for a pass coverage defensive back. Uh, they are their their advanced stats and how you track them is just so much more fluky um, than what you would imagine, and and the way we track them I think is generally pretty poor. Like Pro Football Focus, as as much as I think they're, they're they kind of get too much flack, their like their linebacker coverage stats are garbage. Like do not look at how they how they track coverage stats for like linebackers and stuff like that. It's just it's awful. However. I think some of their other stats and their pressure rates, for example, are exceptionally good, and they do a great job capturing exactly what I'm seeing on film. Um, so to answer your original question, I, I guess I guess it comes down to how you value kind of that stable prediction level. Um, and, and, and there is some truth that there is some truth to saying pass coverage in today's modern NFL because of how quickly the ball gets out. And, and these, these quick throws that are out in two seconds where it's not conceivable for a pass rusher to get there in time, that it's more important to have a pass coverage defensive back. And honestly, over time, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly starting to agree with that. 
Just out of curiosity, what don't you like about Pro Football Focus's grading of linebackers in pass coverage? Uh, so the way it works is that they don't use all 22 in order to in order to track coverage stats, which is a frustrating. So there's a level of assumption that um, that also if you look at zone coverage plays like a standard cover three play uh, or, or, or say say uh, if you play a lot of zone cover three, what's going to happen is that you're going to see a lot of quick game short concepts like your slant flats and, and, and your your uh, your hitch flats and stuff like that. And, and those are specifically going to attack the linebacker level. That, that's by design. Um, and the thing is that as a coverage, as a linebacker, that's a really hard pass to break up. It's a really hard play design to defend, and it automatically puts them out of position. So what happens is that they can play it perfectly, but maybe they'll allow six yards. And that's, and that's an acceptable loss if you're looking at it from a defensive coordinator standpoint. But the problem is that when you're a team that specializes in the cover one, cover three systems, like your Washington and, and to an extent like a Seattle Seahawks or, or historically, uh, it adds up to the point where uh, they get victimized in the stats and they don't give them the benefit for any of their other sort of uh, zone match coverage schemes that they run. So basically, they have a lot of negatives and extremely few positives because they don't see them on all, all 22. <laughs> Your dog sounds like a big pro football focus fan. <laughs> he, he supports the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting away from the commander's defense, I'm interested in your thoughts on Carson Wentz. Uh, what have you made of his play through two games this preseason? For me, I don't think he's played poorly. I just don't think he's done anything that has made me say he's played exceptional. I think he's. I think he's been okay. And, and being okay, it's, it's not a problem to me in preseason. It's a problem to me if, it's, if he continues at that level uh, entering, like entering the regular season. Like, for example, Sam Howell has actually made a bunch of really good plays where you can sit there and say, wow, he's got a ton of talent. I haven't really seen that from Wentz where I'm, I'm truly that impressed. But again, when, when, when you're running a couple of drives and you're doing, you know, maybe you're throwing – 12, 12 throws in one game and 10 throws in the next. A lot of it's just going to be short scheme stuff and, and just making sure the offense is clicking as opposed to uh, where you're going to break a tackle, you know, throw one up to the sidelines or something like that. One more for you. Is Samuel Gold on board with Brian Robinson Jr. being the commander's new number one running back? Yeah, I Brian Robinson is, is killing it. I, I like what I see from him. I'm hoping they, I'm hoping they split carries. I'm hoping... I'm hoping we see more of Robinson at this point. And the fumbling is just is just way too much for me for Gibson, even though I love his talent in terms of the passing game. All right. NFL analyst Samuel Gold, a fan of the Commanders, the creator of Sam's Film Room on YouTube. He has 97,000 plus subscribers to his YouTube channel. And he on that YouTube channel has put together an excellent film breakdown of the Commanders' third down defense in the preseason loss at the Chiefs, in-depth looks at each of the five third down conversions for the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes in the game. Sam, thanks a lot. Of course, glad to be on. All right, up next, much more on the Commanders. Head coach Ron Rivera on Thursday morning gave us maybe the biggest indication yet that Antonio Gibson now is the team's number two running back as opposed to its number one running back. Uh, Also, Rod on Thursday morning gave us more on how much commander starters will play in the team's preseason finale. 
well, he sort of gave us more. Uh, all of that and more is straight ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, it's funny sometimes how the littlest of occurrences can, in fact, mark significant occurrences. Uh, We, on Thursday morning, had the final true preseason practice for the Commanders. Uh, Commanders head coach Ron Rivera did a post-practice press conference, and this was Ron on Thursday morning on how running back Antonio Gibson is looking on kickoff returns. And then you'll hear a very notable follow-up exchange with Commanders insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington. Antonio's getting more and more comfortable. You know, when you, when you watch it on tape, you, you see him circling the ball, getting under it, making a good catch. Um, and, you know, it's something he did well in college, and uh, we're pretty excited having him do it. Do you feel like he's your, your top guy going into the season, or do you still need to see it? I think the- you still need to see, you know, see some more stuff, but, um, you know, I, I think he is. I, I do. I, I think he's done a nice job. So how about that? Ron Rivera on whether Antonio Gibson is the commander's number one kickoff returner. Quote, I think he is. End quote. Uh, That right there, my friends, is perhaps the most official declaration yet that Antonio Gibson is out as the commander's RB1 and Brian Robinson Jr. is in as the commander's RB1. Uh, Now, yeah, we already knew this to be the case. Uh, I, during the commander's 24-14 preseason loss at the Kansas City Chiefs this past Saturday tweeted that it now was the case that Robinson was the commander's number one running back. But those four simple words from Rod Rivera on Thursday morning regarding whether Antonio Gibson is the commander's number one kickoff returner were perhaps the nail in the coffin uh, on this issue. Quote, I think he is, end quote. You don't have your number one running back as your number one kickoff returner. How many other NFL teams have done that in recent seasons? Had the number one running back be the number one 
kickoff returner. An NFL team is more apt to have a number one receiver as a returner, as say the Pittsburgh Steelers for years had Antonio Brown as their number one punt returner. Uh, Rod Rivera on Thursday morning essentially saying that Antonio Gibson is the commander's number one kickoff returner was further confirmation that, yeah, Brian Robinson Jr. is the commander's number one running back and Antonio Gibson is the commander's number two running back. And look, that doesn't mean that Gibson is like doomed for a terrible 2022 season. In fact, this change might be for the best for him. You know, this renewed effort by the commanders to get Gibson out in space via catching passes and returning kickoffs does make sense. But let's not bury the lead. The man who had been Washington's RB1 for each of the previous two seasons no longer is the team's RB1. And this change took place very quickly over these last few weeks. Uh, Gibson in the Commanders' preseason opening 23-21 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field on August 13th had four carries for two yards and a lost fumble and had one reception for two yards on one target. Uh, He got benched for the Commanders' third offensive drive, which resulted in Brian Robinson Jr.'s second quarter, third and goal, one-yard shot, good handoff touchdown run. Uh, The Commanders then put Gibson back into the game later in the second quarter with backups. Uh, Then Ron Rivera, during his postgame press conference, called out Antonio Gibson, but not for his fumbling, for his running style. Quote, Antonio's got to run hard when he starts to shuffle and go sideways. That's when he struggles, end quote. Uh, Also during the presser was Ron multiple times emphasizing the need for Gibson to, quote, stick his foot in the ground, end quote, including once while giving an answer in response to a question about Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, Antonio Gibson, during the commander's final week of training camp practice, what was the week between the commander's first two games this preseason, uh, was seen practicing at one point with the commander's third team offense and was seen practicing on special teams, including uh, serving on kickoff returns and playing the slot in punt formations, a role that had been being filled by, yes, Brian Robinson Jr., Uh, Gibson in the commander's second game of the preseason. The loss at the Chiefs this past Saturday was clearly used as the RB2. Uh, He didn't start the game. He had two carries for three yards. He also had three receptions for 37 yards on four targets, and he returned the game opening kickoff for 17 yards. And now, Ron Rivera, during a post-practice press conference on Thursday morning, said regarding whether Antonio Gibson is the team's number one kickoff returner, quote, I think he is. End quote. I mean, how many other items of evidence do we need that Brian Robinson Jr. now is the commander's number one running back and Antonio Gibson now is the commander's number two running back? Uh, The commanders on Saturday night will conclude their three-game 2022 preseason. Commanders at the Baltimore Ravens Saturday night at 7. Will the commanders end the streak? Uh, Will the commanders end the Ravens' NFL record 22-game preseason winning streak. You know, Baltimore is known for sports streaks. Uh, Legendary former Orioles shortstop slash third baseman Cal Ripken Jr., right? He has the all-time great Ironman streak, the major league record for consecutive regular season games played. And the Ravens have their NFL record 22-game preseason winning streak. (laughs) Although something tells me that the two streaks aren't exactly of equal significance. Anyway, I do hope that the commanders will end the Ravens' preseason winning streak. The question, though, remains, who exactly will be playing 
for the Commanders. Uh, we know that the Ravens will not be playing their QB1, Lamar Jackson, but what is going to be happening with the Commanders? Uh, traditionally, an NFL team does not play its starters or really significant players, period, in a preseason finale. Uh, Rod Rivera, during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, said that starters would play in the game on a, quote, very limited, end quote, basis. And he said that phrase, very limited, a bunch of times. Uh, here was that. It came from an exchange first with Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic and then with Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. You made a determination about who's going to play? Very limited. Very limited. Very limited. Very limited. Is that what you call Yep. Very limited. Very limited. All right, so there you go. Very limited. Uh, that was the phrase that pays from Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon regarding Commander's starters playing at the Ravens on Saturday night. Very limited. Yes, very limited. Thank you. Well, like I said earlier, we on Thursday morning had the final true preseason practice for the Commanders. Uh, Ron did a post-practice press conference on Thursday morning. Here was an exchange between Michael Phillips and Ron Rivera at the end of Ron's post-practice press conference on Thursday morning. I'm sorry, have you shared about how the starters will play? No, I haven't shared how the okay. starters will play. What, what's the plan? Like I said yesterday. Just like I said yesterday. Well, you said limited amount yesterday. I said a, ver- I said a very, very, very Does that limited. include Carson, or is that just select? It's just a very limited... How many berries? Very. Okay. <laughs> see you Saturday. Yes, we'll see y'all Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, see you Saturday. Uh, So Rod Rivera still being rather coy regarding playing time for commander starters at the Ravens. My guess is that what this is all about is Ron wanting his starters and key players to prepare as if they're playing at the Ravens. And then he'll shortly before kickoff tell commander starters and key players that they are not playing in the game. I would be surprised if commander starters and key players actually play on Saturday night at the Ravens. Uh, Now, look, you can't entirely dismiss the possibility, uh, but I would be surprised. It's just so rare for NFL teams to play starters and key players in preseason finales. And I just don't see what the benefit would be in playing starters and key players for a, wait for it, very limited amount of time. Like, what would be the benefit in that? Uh, Unless, okay, unless, say quarterback Carson Wentz has told Ron that Carson truly wants to play at the Ravens because he believes that he and the first team offense need the work. Uh, Okay, if that's the case, then go ahead and play Carson and the first team offense for a very limited amount of time. But otherwise, what exactly would be the point in very limited playing time for Carson and company. And so I do expect to see a lot of Sam Howell at quarterback for the Commanders on Saturday night. And Ron Rivera on Thursday morning essentially said that we will be seeing a good bit of Sam Howell at quarterback for the Commanders on Saturday night. You know, Sam to me has looked pretty good so far this preseason. Ron Rivera on Thursday morning on what he would like to see from Sam Howell. I like to see him continue with his preparation, the way he's, you know, he's, he's, he's paid attention, the way he's getting into things. I mean, he's always done that, but now is an opportunity because he's going to play a lot. 
you know, to, to take a little more time, spend a little bit more time and, and really get a chance to look. As I said earlier, um, you know, there's there's a couple of games of tape that he can watch and, and get something out of it, you know, and, and learn a little bit about, you know, his opponent even more so. And, um, you know, and again, it's probably part of his habits anyways, but uh, this would be a good chance for him to c- kind of show us that uh, he knows how to do it. So Sam Howell in the Commander's preseason opening loss to the Panthers at FedEx Field played for the entire second half. He played on 45% of the Commander's offensive snaps for the game. 9 of 16 for 145 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions. He took two sacks and he had three carries for 19 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Sam in the Commander's preseason loss at the Chiefs last Saturday entered the game in the third quarter, was the Commander's quarterback for the rest of the game. He played on 46% of the Commander's offensive snaps for the game. He went 10 of 18 for 122 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. He took two sacks, and he had two carries for 13 yards. When it comes to Sam Howell moving forward into the 2022 season, here was another exchange on Thursday afternoon between Michael Phillips and Ron Rivera. Uh, this exchange on Sam Howell. I know your intent you, when you guys picked him was to give him some learning time and some development. Is that still the plan? How yep. do you coach him going it's into the season? For him to continue to, to grow and develop and I think be the, um, you know, be, be the guy that is, is there to learn. You know, and, and so far it's been a really good room. Um, you know, when you pop in, you watch those guys interact with the, with the coaches and with each other. It, it, it feels like a solid room. Yeah, you know, something that is undeniable is that Ron Rivera has been very clear about the quarterback hierarchy for the commanders. Uh, Carson Wentz is the QB1. Taylor Heineke is the QB2. Sam Howell is the QB3. And this coming season is to be a developmental season for Sam off the commanders having taken him in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of North Carolina. Uh, Now we'll see if the commander's 2022 season plays out in accordance with this quarterback hierarchy, but Ron has been very consistent with this hierarchy. As for Carson Wentz, uh, well, as you may recall, Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference that followed the commander's training camp practice at FedEx Field on August 6th admitted that the connection between Carson and receiver Terry McLaurin still was a work in progress. Uh, This was Rod Rivera on Thursday morning on where he right now sees Carson Wentz's timing with Terry McLaurin. I thought yesterday was was a pretty good show of it. You know, uh, if if you remember, I think he and Terry connected for, for, for a couple of really big throws. Um, some, some timing things, for that matter, were perfect. And uh, some of the throws that uh, you know, he made led him right into, into good catches. So it's starting to come pretty well. All right. And, of course, uh, the Carson Wentz-Terry McLaurin connection is a big deal. There may not be a more important connection for the Commanders' 2022 season than the Carson-Terry connection. Uh, Also from Ron Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Thursday morning was him talking offensive line depth. Uh, The commanders on Wednesday afternoon claimed guard Wes Martin off waivers from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, The Redskins took Martin in the fourth round of the 2019 NFL Draft out of Indiana. Uh, Wes Martin over his two regular seasons with Washington, 2019 and 2020, started 10 games. Uh, The New York Giants this past September signed Wes Martin off Washington's practice squad, but he now is back with Washington. Rod Rivera on Thursday morning on why he brought back Wes Martin. Well, it, it's, it's a depth thing, but last year, you know, we, we lost Wes because he got plucked off our practice squad, and he's somebody that we really do like because of the position flex. 
Um, you know, he's a very smart football player. He's stout at the point. Um, you know, and, and he's a guy that we really do like. Um, you know, and again, we, we didn't want to lose him last year, and here's an opportunity to bring him back into the fold. He's a guy that we think, you know, has some uh, some abilities. Yeah, Rod Rivera sounding like a fan of Wes Martin. Uh, Rod on Thursday morning also talked to Sadiq Charles. Uh, the Redskins took Sadiq in the fourth round of the 2020 NFL Draft out of LSU. Uh, he, during his time with Washington, has had a hard time staying healthy, but he is someone who the commanders are playing at a lot of spots on the offensive line. Sadiq, this summer, has practiced at tackle, guard, and center. Uh, we call that, wait for it, position flex. <laughs> uh, Ron Rivera on Thursday morning on how Sadiq Charles is doing. Sadiq's had a pretty good camp. You know, it's, it's a lot to ask a guy to, to, to work all three of those positions, but he's done a nice job at it. Um, and position flex is, you know, for a guy is important. And he's still a young guy, still developing and growing. Uh, but the more he knows, I think the better it'll help him in his game. Yeah, you know, the concern with Sadiq Charles coming out of LSU is that he had served two suspensions at LSU, a one-game suspension in 2018 and a six-game suspension in 2019. If not for the character concerns, Sadiq in the 2020 draft may well have been a second or third-round pick. Uh, He, in 2019, started nine games at left tackle for an LSU offensive line that was named the Joe Moore Award winner for the top offensive line in college football, uh, Sadiq Charles in 2019 protected the blind side for Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow in 2019, to me, had the greatest season that any player has ever had in college football. And I know that sounds like a grand proclamation, but I really do believe that. Uh, Joe Burrow's 2019 season for LSU was sensational, especially given who LSU played. LSU in its 2019 season recorded seven wins over top 10 teams in Associated Press polls. Burrow broke the NCAA FBS single season records for touchdown passes and touchdowns responsible for. He finished with 60 touchdown passes and 65 touchdowns responsible for. And Burrow's 60 touchdown passes broke the record of former Redskin Colt Brennan from 2006 when he had 58 touchdown passes for Hawaii. Uh, Well, it was Sadiq Charles who was LSU's starting left tackle for that 2019 national championship season. I, on Thursday's show, episode 385, did a deep dive on the commander's offensive line and whether Washington is poised to have a good offensive line for a third consecutive season. Uh, Obviously, having a good offensive line isn't just about the offensive line starters. Having a good offensive line also is about offensive line depth. And guys like Wes Morton and Sadiq Charles offer potential quality depth for the commander's offensive line. Well, if you are listening to this segment, there's a pretty good chance that you are an Orioles fan or at the very least have a passing interest in the O's. And so there's a good chance that you are familiar with a certain Orioles phrase. Uh, It is a phrase that dates back to April 1980 because the phrase is from a song that dates back to April 1980. The phrase is Orioles magic, and we on Thursday night had the latest installment of Orioles magic as the O's overcame a 3-2 ninth inning deficit in what ended up being a 4-3 11 inning win 
over the Chicago White Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The win gave the O's a series win as the O's won the series two games to one. And the win put the O's once again, Joe Angel, in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, sir, Joe. The win column. Uh, the O's in the 2022 regular season now are 65 and 59. Still two and a half games behind the Seattle Mariners for the American League's third wild card spot. Four big heroes for the O's in this game. Let us go through those four heroes. Uh, hero number one for the O's, Kyle Stowers. Uh, so the O's last Friday afternoon selected the contract of outfielder Kyle Stowers from AAA Norfolk. Uh, the O's took Stowers in the second round of the 2019 MLB draft out of Stanford. Uh, he is the Orioles' number nine prospect per MLB pipeline. Stowers on Thursday night as the Orioles' starting right fielder and number five batter went one for four. The one was a huge home run. A game-tying, two-out, solo homer to center field on an 0-2 pitch from White Sox closer Liam Hendricks in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game at three. The homer went a projected 404 feet per stat cast. The homer was Stowers' first career major league regular season home run. And the homer came moments after White Sox left fielder Adam Engel dropped a routine fly ball in left field foul territory. Engel catching that ball would have ended the game, but he did not catch that ball. And moments later, Kyle Stowers tied the game with a home run on an 0-2 pitch, what was his first career major league regular season home run. Like I said, Orioles magic. Every game does a different stop on WFBR. Orioles magic, hear it happen. Orioles magic, hear it happen. O-R-I-O-L-E-S. Magic, 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 magic. There you go. Orioles magic. Unbelievable what happened with Kyle Stowers on Thursday night. O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on Kyle Stowers, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange. I think he was floating around the bases. He came in the dugout so fired up, and the team was fired up for him and for us, and we were so empty offensively for so long in that game, and that was uh, we finally got a little bit of life there in a, in a timely spot with two outs and two strikes off one of the best closers in the game, and um, huge hit for us. Does that kind of just show what he's he's capable of? Well, he's got huge power. There's no doubt about it, and, and he's shown that in the minor leagues, and and um, yeah, I mean it's a young player facing tough major league pitching right now you know we're facing we're playing good teams and and it's not easy so we threw out a it's a pretty young lineup out there against Lance Lynn who knows what he's doing and he had our had his way with us for for a while in that game um but uh fortunately pulled it out 
Yes, he did. Hero number two for the O's in their 4-3, 11-inning win over the White Sox, Anthony Santander. Santander on Thursday night as the Orioles starting DH and number three batter, two for five with a two-run homer and a walk-off RBI single. Uh, Santander in an Orioles two-run first, a one-out two-run homer to right field for a 2-1 Orioles lead. And Santander in the Orioles' one-run 11th, a walk-off RBI single to center field on an 0-2 pitch for a 4-3 Orioles win. So note, Kyle Stowers' game-tying two-out solo homer in the bottom of the ninth came on an 0-2 pitch. And Anthony Santander's walk-off RBI single in the bottom of the 11th came on an 0-2 pitch. Uh, Santander, by the way, leads the O's with 22 home runs in the 2022 regular season. Hero number three for the O's in their 4-3 11-inning win over the White Sox, Jordan Lyles. How about the outing from Jordan Lyles? Uh, Lyles on Thursday night, two runs, one earned in seven innings. Uh, He did give up nine hits, a homer, a double, and seven singles. And he did record just two strikeouts, but he issued no walks, and he threw a ton of strikes. 95 pitches, 70 strikes versus 25 balls. He had nearly a 3-to-1 ratio of strikes to balls. And what was so funny about all of this is that Lyles, on the very first pitch of the game, gave up a homer. He gave up a leadoff first pitch homer to Andrew Vaughn in the top of the first, but Lyles was much better after that. Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on Jordan Lyles. I thought it was, uh, uh, for me, this was one of his best games pitched. A game that we needed, gives up that run in the first, the first pitch of the game. It's a game that these guys need to, and where he goes, uh, you know, seven innings, could have got out of that seventh inning too. It was an unlucky inning for him, uh, but, you know, not really hard contact in that seventh inning, and, uh, that was a huge pick-me-up, especially since we were so empty offensively for so long. And for him to just continue to go back out there and put up zeros against a good club with playoff aspirations and uh, uh, expectations, it was, that was awesome. Yes, it was. Jordan Lyles certainly hasn't been great for the O's this season, but he has been decent and he has been an innings eater. Uh, Lyles in the 2022 regular season, 26 starts, ERA of 445. He leads the O's by miles in innings pitched at 145 and two-thirds innings. And keep this in mind with Jordan Lyles. He had been a really bad pitcher over the last two seasons. The O's on March 12th officially announced the signing of Jordan Lyles as a free agent, one-year contract with a club option for 2023. The O's are Lyles' seventh major league team. Uh, He signed with the O's off having pitched for the Texas Rangers the last two seasons. Lyles over the 2020 and 2021 regular seasons with the Rangers had an ERA of 560. I mean, this guy had not been a good starting pitcher. He has been a lot better for the O's this season. And then hero number four for the O's in their 4-3-11 inning win over the White Sox, the flamethrower, Felix Batista. Flame-throwing Felix. He, on Thursday night, tossed two perfect innings with two strikeouts. Batista tossed a perfect top of the 10th, and he tossed a perfect top of the 11th. 
Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on sending Batista out for that top of the 11th. I didn't even ask him. <laughs> he was going back out. Especially with just the, how few pitches he threw in the in the 10th. So, or is it the 10th? Um, yeah, I know. He was, and especially against that part of the order. You know, you had to go with your best guy against that, that group of really good hitters. Here is something to consider with Felix Batista. He is emerging as a candidate for American League Rookie of the Year. Now, the top two candidates clearly are O's catcher Adley Rutschman and Mariners center fielder Julio Rodriguez. And it's going to be tough for a reliever, even one as good as Felix Batista has been, to top either Rutschman or Rodriguez for American League Rookie of the Year. But Felix Batista is making a case for himself to at least be a major candidate for American League Rookie of the Year. Felix Batista now in the 2022 regular season, 55 and two-thirds innings, ERA of 162, whip of 0.84, a strikeouts per nine innings of 11.8. He has been awesome. And he has the best entrance of any reliever in the majors uh, with the Omar whistle from the wire. Uh, Just a tremendous win for the O's on Thursday night. Next up for the O's, a six-game road trip, a three-game series at the American League-leading Houston Astros this weekend, then a three-game series at the Cleveland Guardians this Tuesday through Thursday. So this is a tough six-game road trip. The O's playing two three-game series at two American League division leaders, the AL-leading Astros, who are atop the AL West and the AL Central leading Guardians. Uh, game one at the Astros Friday night at 8-10. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles starting pitcher. Game two at the Astros Saturday night at 7-10. Dean Kramer will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And game three at the Astros Sunday afternoon at 2-10. Austin Voth will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 387, will feature reaction to and analysis of whatever happens for the Commanders in their preseason finale. Commanders at the Baltimore Ravens Saturday night at 7. And Monday show, will have a look toward the cutdown to 53 this coming Tuesday. Also on Monday's show, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. The Nats this weekend will face the Cincinnati Reds at Nationals Park in a three-game series, including the Major League regular season debut of the Nats' top pitching prospect, Kate Cavalli, on Friday night. The O's this weekend will play a three-game series at the American League-leading Houston Astros. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Very limited. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.